luminaries, talking to the brightest minds in tech. And my hope is that we come together to share more than technology and expertise and products, but that we share a vision of a future that is better than today. A vision of technology as the driver of human progress. Your hosts are Mark Schaefer and Douglas Carr. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Luminaries. This is Mark Schaefer with my erstwhile co-host, Douglas Carr, a.k.a. Dougie Baby. How you doing, Doug? Uh, fantastic, Mark. How are you? I couldn't be better. And on this show, we talk to the brightest minds in tech, and we are certainly going to deliver on that promise today. Our guest is Dr. Asaf Natanzan. He's a vice president of advanced technology and investment evaluation for Dell Technologies. Now, not only is he Dell's most prolific inventor, he is one of the most prolific inventors in history. I'll just hmm. let that soak in with you a little bit. He has more than 200 patents to his name with another 200 patents pending. This man has 400 patents to his name. Dr. Natanzan, welcome to our show. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's 430 right now, so. 430. <laughs> Thank you for making me feel smaller than I already did. <laughs> so, uh, so, Asaf, it took me a long time to figure out what I was good at. And I think some people would even suggest I'm still figuring that out. When did it dawn on you that you were a person who was good at inventing things? I think, you know, my first, invent, my first invention was uh, in my previous company uh, with a guy named Talmon Marco, who, is, uh, who was the founder of, uh, of uh, Viber after it. Uh, so he was also a, an inventor. And uh, basically, I was always interested in inventions, but I think that, you know, I took it to the next step after I joined DMC. Uh, we were acquired, uh, we were a startup called Kasha, and we were acquired by uh, EMC in 2006. And we had our vice uh, president, he was named uh, Dr. Rico, and he was really pushing us uh, towards innovation, and he made like a small innovation conferences, and, you know, he pushed us, he told us uh, that we have uh, several patents, and he really made us very excited about patents. So I started the... Uh, then after the acquisition by EMC and uh, I found out that I'm actually good at it. So <laughs> I started writing more and more. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, I mean, you were, you were relatively later in, in life when it, you really started to get this momentum and got the inventing bug. Eh, not that uh, late, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I was trying to find, I was trying to find hope for myself here. <laughs> I'm still very young. I don't know. <laughs> Asaf, I'm curious with the with the spread of technology, obviously worldwide. Uh, how important are patents nowadays? Uh, are, do they do any any more good in the global economy than they than they used to? I think uh, I, I think yes. You even see now that China. There are a lot of talks that you know even China is going to be more uh, restrictive about you know not infringing. Uh, 
US patents. So I think patents are important uh, for companies to protect their IP. And, uh, you know, in the past, uh, a lot of foreign companies used to just infringe uh, patents and maybe they couldn't sell uh, their uh, stuff in the United States, but uh, in other areas, uh, they could, uh, could have sold it. And I think that this is changing now. So I think patents are still important and will be important. Uh, developing technology is very, very expensive and you don't want, you know, others to uh, get your uh, your work for free. Right. Reverse engineering is sometimes much easier than, than inventing it on your own. So, hmm. I've always been very interested in the creative process. Um, I know you've got some strong ideas on that. Um, and earlier this year, I had a really cool opportunity. I got to meet uh, Walter Isaacson and talk to him. Walter Isaacson, of course, is the person who authored quite well-known books on Albert Einstein, Steve Jobs. He has a new book out on Da Vinci, which I highly recommend to our listeners. And he's also the host of Dell's other podcast called Trailblazers. And when I talked to Walter, he described genius as an intersection of recognizing patterns with insatiable curiosity. I'm wondering, how does that description stack up for you how do how do you describe genius <laughs> so first of all you, you you need me to say that i'm a genius i'm not sure that i agree with this uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so uh, yes there, there is a lot in what he says you know uh, you, you need to recognize patterns but you know you also need to be able to apply the patterns to to other fields and i think that you know applying knowledge from one field to another is is a, is a thing that is the base uh, for many many innovations you know uh, this is one thing uh, also you know cross pollination and fruition of uh, between people is also another uh, source for uh, for for innovation for me usually innovation come you know when i study about a new thing and i bring my knowledge and, and talk to someone from a new field that i don't really know and we start to understand you know what what are the problems and how we can apply you know uh, knowledge that we have from other fields uh, to this field. Uh, it's very rare that you invent something, you know, from zero, which is, you know, nothing in the past resembles it. A lot of times, you know, we take uh, things that we, we already know uh, and apply to a completely new field. So it looks like something completely new. But but in a way, you know, there is a lot of commonality in the past. It's not that you, like, invented uh, the autonomic car. You started by inventing maybe the wheel like 3,000 years ago and you built on it... Uh, more and more things, more and more technologies, and you apply all the technologies together and you get something new. You add a little spice to it, and, uh, and, and that, that's innovation. Because usually innovation is not something that is a complete revolutionary revolution. Sometimes it is, but I think it's really, really rare when it is. Hmm. Usually... I think that's a, a super interesting point you make about collaboration. And it was actually a piece of inspiration I got from... Isaacson's book on on Da Vinci, and I realized that you know, Da Vinci is arguably one of the most creative people in history. But so much of his innovation came from collaboration. They would collaborate on paintings. Even his famous uh, drawing, the Vitruvian Man, it's kind of like the picture of the guy inside the circle, was named for Vitruvius, which was like a friend of a friend who had this idea. So a lot of people 
talk about thinking out of the box. But for me, and I think what I'm hearing from you is that really a lot of innovation comes from combining boxes, is getting people together in a collaborative way. Do, do you have a system to do that? Or does it just kind of happen by, by chance? Uh, so sometimes it does happen by chance, but a lot of time, you know, uh, we, we deliberately do brainstorming where someone talks about something musical learned, you know, uh, technology, or we bring someone from a different field to talk to us and understand what, what his problems are. And sometimes, you know, you try to apply your knowledge from one field on another field. And you see it in many cases, uh, in mathematics, in, in, in computers. A lot of time you take techniques from one field and apply them in another field. So you need the knowledge from people who are experts at two separate fields and try to see if you can collaborate between them because nobody can know everything today, especially today. If, uh, I don't know, if David Hilbert says that, you know, uh, he knew like 80% of all the mathematics in the world, uh, today nobody knows more than 1%. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. It's true in everything, you know, because the knowledge grows uh, so fast that you cannot know everything. So there is a lot that you don't know that can help you. So, you know. A lot of time, you know, uh, collaborating with others is the only way to actually gain access to information, to a process information, to information with brain behind it uh, that can help you, you know, solve, uh, solve problems that, you know, seem completely unsolvable from where you're standing. Well, and it seems that there's a, g- a good stretch there between actual innovation ideas and then bringing it to fruition and actually executing it. Uh, last year, Mark and I got to meet and interview your friend, Dr. Orna Berry. Uh, she's been an incredible inspiration to us. Uh, she talked about the incredible startup community in Israel and the deep culture of innovation there. Right. Can you yeah. provide some input on what makes Israel so special in this way? How is such a small nation making such a huge impact in the technology world? That, that's a very big, uh, good question. Uh, so a lot of it, I think, comes from the army. You know, we have a, we're a small country. We had like we have a small army that needs to be very very smart. Uh, so you know, th- there is a lot of innovation coming from the army. You know, you have a, a lot of smart people. You know, sitting in the, because everybody goes to the army. So you know, you know, you have like the smartest people, uh, very young and very eager to you know to innovate, sitting together and thinking how they can uh, you know solve problems. This is, for example, how the firewall was invented in Israel. Um, so uh, you, you have a lot of people thinking on how to solve, and and, and this is one thing I think also a very strong academy, uh, and uh, and now also you know a lot of investments coming from uh, from foreign countries. So you have like a, now you also have the industry. So with the army, industry, academy, uh, I, I think that you have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, things that are pushing people uh, to innovate and. I remember I was in a, in Hollywood uh, in Los Angeles, like in the year 2000, and everyone you talk to said that he's in the business. And I thought, what are they in technology? And then I understood that in Los Angeles, the business means uh, the show business. <laughs> and in Israel, at the same time, everybody was in the business, but they're in the business of creating the startup. So uh, <laughs> I guess it's a lot of uh, mentality, you know, that people see. Everybody has a friend that, you know, made an exit with a startup. I have uh, at least one or 200 friends that made an exit with a startup. So you are surrounded by technology people, by people that, you know, think how they can invent something. And, uh, and, and it's also, I think, the Israeli mentality of doing things like uh, more quick and dirty, you know, without, uh, and, and, and this is very, like, uh, very good for startup, uh, startups. 
this is also why a reason why in the past you didn't see a lot of uh, very big uh, companies in Israel because usually you know people are trying to do things very very fast and then you you get acquired and and then you become part of like a global company and not uh, not grow to a huge company. We have some exceptions, but still you know compared to the amount of technology developed in Israel, you don't see you know uh, like a, a lot of unicorns. Right. You know the startups are sold uh, relatively quickly. And the people move to the next uh, adventure. So we have a lot of, you know, serial entrepreneurs. Hmm. Well, you, I think that's a really interesting point, Asaf. You know, <laughs> everybody is in the business <laughs> these days, it seems. They all want to try to find the hustle. They all want to try the next, you know, be the next uh, successful uh, startup. And the world today is just so overwhelming. There's just so much change happening in so many different places. I know that you sort of emphasize, I think your emphasis is kind of uh, in the cybersecurity area, but how do you personally stay on top of what's going on to know where to work, where the innovation needs to happen? Because we've got this you know, this constant churn of people trying to be in the business, but look, you're doing it. I mean, you're, you're inventing, you're creating this amazing value to the world. How do you choose the right things to work on that are going to rise above and succeed? So first of all, not everything I worked on did succeed. So this is, uh, <laughs> all right. Great point. Into- good enough. Good enough. <laughs> It depends, you know, it depends on the environment that you're in. Now I'm a part of the, the CTO of the Trigger team, which, you know, looks at the, at the, at the, at the future technologies and, you know, uh, and, and uh, see how Dell should use them in, in, in the upcoming uh, three to five years. Uh, so here, you know, you see like the most uh, updated technologies. You, you, you see what's coming, you know, what's currently in development. I also work with a lot of startups, see, you know, what what's being developed? So you know, I, I have a very good vision of uh, of, uh, of what's coming uh, to us in the future. If it's uh, all the things about IoT, blockchain, uh, new memory architectures, uh, a lot of things are going on today. So you know, we can innovate in all of them. Uh, I'm currently focused mainly on uh, data protection, so I look at this technology and I'm trying to understand how they what what the impact they are going to have. Uh, on, on data protection, also all the the new uh, development architecture that you have, like uh, function as a service and, and stuff like that. So a lot of things going on, and you know, I look at technologies that are coming, and nobody, almost nobody, looks at w- w- how to use these technologies. Uh, you know, in, in a specific area. You know, there are the the core areas that, that people look into. For example, in IoT, security is a, is a very important thing. So you see a lot of startups, a lot of people talking about security. But data protection it's, uh, and data management is currently not on the main track uh, of people. So this is a place for a lot of innovation, for example. Uh, when I was part of the product groups, uh, you also you talk to customers, you understand you know, what's missing, what, what they would like to see in the product, and there you can also innovate. So there is like innovation uh, which comes from you know, understanding new technologies that are coming, and there is also innovation coming from understanding what people actually need. Uh, and this also changes. Uh, with the cloud technologies, with everything needs to be simple, with where you know you need to manage a huge amounts of uh, data, and uh, you know so everything needs to become more and more simple. All of these are you know places for innovation. Every, everywhere that uh, 
everywhere where people see problems, I see place for innovation. So for me, all of this, you know, the fact that things become more complex, the fact that a lot of things are happening is actually good because it's a lot of places to innovate. I love, that's a great quote. <laughs> where people see problems, I see innovation and opportunity. That's 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 great. I think that's what what makes you special. Thanks. Well, you you mentioned data protection innovation uh, as a priority right now. Uh, could you describe any point in time data protection to our listeners? Uh, any point in time, yes. So any point in time was you know uh, what. Uh, the startup that they, I came from, uh, this was our key innovation. Uh, basically, typically, when you have data protection or... Uh, so data protection is a very big word. Uh, so, by the way, a lot of people are confused between uh, data security and data protection. Uh, in the EMC in the, in the and Delta terminology, uh, data protection means uh, being able to create copies of the data. So this includes backup and disaster recovery and replication system. Uh, Continuous data protection, which is uh, what you refer to, is, is a type of, uh, of remote replication, which allows also a, a operational uh, recovery. And this means that you take your data and you basically copy every transaction that happens uh, to some remote site. And on the remote site, like, uh, like something that is very common to, to uh, relational databases, you have uh, a copy of your data. Okay, you create a copy of your data and you create a, a journal which can do an undulog and a redulog. And based on the copy of the data in the undulog and redulog, you can actually replay the data back and forth and bring your data to the exact point in time where you had a disaster, uh, where you had a disaster, where you had a problem. For example, if you had data corruption, you can try to find exactly the point in time before the data corruption, and this way you, you don't. Uh, you don't lose data. Uh, I remember when we were a small startup, uh, we had a very uh, funny story. We went to one customer and uh, we replicated the data. He saw that the data is existing on the replica site. And then what he did, he did the format uh, of the drive. Now, a quick format just erases uh, uh, the tables of the disk. It doesn't do a lot of uh, IO. Of course, it replicated to the replica site. And, uh, you know, we had an empty disk on the replica site. And then he told us, okay, you have any point in time, now recover. So we told the, the remote drive, please uh, move back like uh, two minutes. Uh, of course, it took like a few seconds just to roll back the disk uh, two minutes before. And then he saw all the data. And the guy told us, hey, you're cheating. Yeah, because we didn't believe that we saw all the data within two minutes. And we had to explain it. <laughs> the data didn't disappear. It just uh, what you did with the form, the quick format. You just uh, you know erased the table, and the disk doesn't know where the data is. We just restored the tables, and everything is there. So he was very he was very surprised and very happy. But it took him a little bit of time to to understand. So that's incredible. And and uh, any pending patents that have you excited? I have so many that I don't know. It's uh, it's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> We have a lot of patents, you know, in, in, in about uh, data protection for uh, for cloud native applications. Uh, because basically today with cloud native application, uh, you, you can do backup and data protection, but instead of uh, making uh, your life much simpler, like uh, what all these uh, platform and service environments and uh, functional service environment uh, do for you, it makes your life actually much more complex. And uh, because you have a lot of uh, services, a lot of databases so if you have uh, some data corruption you maybe need to go to many uh, 
I don't know, uh, storage administrators, backup administrators, and ask them, please restore this database, please restore this database instead of working just with a single Oracle. So instead of having a much simpler life like you have when you develop, when you try to restore the data, you get much more complex life. And uh, basically, we have a lot of innovation around it, how to actually simplify it, how to integrate it with uh, your uh, CI, CD environment uh, and stuff like that. So a lot of exciting innovation there. Mm, that's fantastic. Uh, one, one of the responsibilities that you have that we haven't talked about yet is your role in helping Dell evaluate startups and, and potential investments. I think yeah. there's probably a lot of our listeners out there thinking, boy, it would be really cool to be involved in some sort of a new company or startup that would be evaluated by Dell and maybe become part of Dell. Whenever you're in these meetings, what are some of the things that you listen for? What what would happen in a meeting to, to make you smile, to make you think these people really get it? This is interesting. So I, I think when you when you're trying to evaluate a startup, you know you are evaluating two things. You evaluate the technology, and you evaluate the people that try to bring the technology. And these two things are very very important because you need to believe in the people that they can deliver the things. You need to believe that the people you know that it would be people that you you'll be comfortable working on. And you'll be able to trust them. So this is the one important thing. The other important thing is you know to evaluate the technology to see that the the technology is, uh, is not uh, too trivial uh, because if it's too trivial, everybody can do it. But on the other end, you have to evaluate that it's not too complex uh, because if it's too complex, uh, it will be very difficult to deliver it. So you need a technology that you know is feasible. You need to understand you know how much effort it is. And for example, in storage, uh, in storage uh, products, uh, people use to usually underestimate how complex it is to bring a, a storage product to ma- to, to market. We're hearing uh, we're hearing a lot of hype these days, or pessimism and optimism about blockchain. Is there a future? You know, is there part of a future of data protection that will, you know, utilize blockchain technology? Yeah, there is a lot of potential in blockchain for for uh, for data protection and for provenance. Uh, again, this is also an area where we have a lot of internal innovation. Uh, not sure how how many things I can already exposed, but I, I do see a lot of potential in blockchain because, you know, you have like a distributed ledger where you can, you know, prove that things happened. Uh, so, for example, you can prove that, uh, you know, you backed up your data and you can prove that, you know, uh, you didn't cheat and you you were compliant to all the all the things that needed to be compliant. So there is a lot of potential uh, to blockchain. Again, we need to see how this technology is, is uh, if it's really adapted or it's just a hype. Uh, I'm not sure yet. But uh, there are a lot of interesting aspects. The question is also about how you how you deploy this, uh, how you how you leverage the technology. But uh, the, the ability to have distributed ledgers and you know immutable, which are immutable, and uh, and uh, can be trusted in a non-trust trustful environment is uh, something very interesting. Also for data protection and for everything, mm-hmm. for many other things, for provenance, for. A lot of things that are already happening, a lot of things that will be happening in the future. So definitely interesting. Asif, this has been such a fascinating conversation and certainly a unique opportunity to talk to someone uh, that uh, is in your uh, place in the world. And we appreciate so much you spending some time with us today. 
Uh, everyone listening, we hope that you've enjoyed our uh, episode today. And we hope that you'll uh, stay in touch with us. We love hearing your feedback. We love seeing your reviews on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. So uh, thanks so much. We never take you for granted. We appreciate the time that you spend with us. This is Mark Schaefer on behalf of Doug Carr. Thanks for listening to Luminaries, where we talk to the brightest minds in tech. Luminaries, talking to the brightest minds in tech, a podcast series from Dell Technologies.